Hello, welcome to Nature Finds a Way, a pop culture biology podcast where we nerd out about biology facts and fiction in some of our favorite books, movies, and TV shows. I'm Lindsay and she's Sarah and we are marine biologists in recovery and today we're talking about owls in the family. Yay! Yay! Yay, More owls. More owls. Very fall. Mm, So fall. Um, Had you read Owls in the Family before? I have not. I thought maybe I had, but I think I maybe mixed it up with, like, Rats of Nim or something. okay. That has an owl in it. Yeah. Is there an owl in that? I don't don't remember. Um, Me neither. Something, there's another book, I think, with owls in it. Yeah. um, That you read in, like, grade three. Yeah. Um... So, unless I have, like, I have no recollection of it, and I'm pretty sure I would have read it a bunch of times, because it's a pretty fast, good read. Yeah. Yeah. So, I probably would have owned it Mm. if I had read it, so. Yeah, we. I don't think so. We definitely owned it, and I definitely read it for school and, like, book report kind of thing, but I I think either read it a bunch or had read it before I read it in school, even. Um, It's a very Canadian book. It's, like, pretty (laughs) Canada famous, but I don't know how internationally famous it is uh it's by farley mowett and uh lindsay's gonna tell us a little bit about it yeah so we both read this a couple weeks ago and like i said it's very short meant for third graders so hopefully we remember um so there's a boy in saskatoon and like outskirts of saskatoon in the 50s Maybe before that, it's unclear, but like unclear. Yeah, I think fifties because like it wasn't. It was. It wasn't pre-war. Yeah, probably. I don't, I don't know. We can talk about that later. Anyway. Um, and he has lots of animals. He's just living not on a farm, but like with a place with a lot of land, and they have lots of animals. And the his parents are exasperated, but seem fine with it. Um, him and his friend go out looking for birds. They know all the kinds of different birds and all the kinds of bird nests and stuff. And they want to get an owl because they want to keep one as a pet. Um, they find one eventually, an owl nest, but they couldn't, they can't get the mom out. Um, and they don't want to kill, so they don't want to shoot the nest down. Um, which is good, yeah. I guess. Um, <laughs> but then there's a big storm and the nest goes and the mom is gone. Uh, and then two of the baby owlets die, and they found another one, and they rescue the owlet, and it's super cute, and it becomes his pet, and it's really adorable and anthropomorphized, and also, like, it behaves like a human, and it, like, hops around in the house and attacks dogs, and it's just adorable. Yeah. Uh, and then he also ends up getting another owlet, because um, it, another one was found, but some bullies were being horrible to it, like really upsettingly horrible mm-hmm. to it, and he rescues it, and so it's a little bit sadder and more pathetic, but it also is very humanized, takes on human traits, and then it's basically just a summer, a kind of like over the span of a year, of him and his friend and their dogs, and these two owls and their random adventures, they go to the river, and the owls fight a lot of crows, and then they almost like tip over a canoe, it's very Canadian. And they're in a parade, and there's a rattlesnake, and they go to another river, and there's a cave, and the owls beat up the bullies that want to come take their cave. Yeah. And (laughs) all sorts of super random stuff that's just adorable. Um, The owls keep 
bullying in a fun way, like the old dog, which was really cute. And then at the end, the main boy um, moves to Toronto, so the owls have to go live with his best friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it it's pretty cute. It's pretty cute. Yeah, it's very, like, prairies, which is probably why I had read it a bunch, because my dad grew up sort of similar-ish time to when it was published in Saskatchewan, in Saskatoon. So, yeah, sort of similar thing. It's very, like, prairies, very romantic prairies, kind of like that, mm-hmm. you know, being like a... I don't know, the kids are probably, like, ten-ish? Yeah, nine? that's my guess. Like, they're allowed to go off and do things, yeah. and they spend the night in a cave, which... Like in the like you know like it's the it's the fifties or whatever whatever yeah. but like they actually want to be away from their parents like so that would I would yeah. guess ten yeah like at that yeah ish but yeah yeah pretty like independent kids like they can yeah look after themselves and climb trees and do whatever so it's yeah that very like romantic living in the prairie is being out mm-hmm. sort of right ro- ro- roaming free like free ranging and just yeah yeah. Um, doing things that probably are questionable, like having wild owls as pets. Um, mm-hmm. But also, mm-hmm. they had a whole bunch of other. They had like um, gophers and or prairie yeah. dogs and like all kinds of weird like collection of animals. So, um, like I said before, this book was written by Farley Bowett, who's a pretty famous Canadian writer and environmental activist. Um, he wasn't really a scientist, like he did part of a zoology degree. Um, he lived in um, Saskatchewan as like a young sort of tween until I think he went off to college. Um, he, as part of his zoology degree, he did go off and do collecting trips, like professional-ish collecting trips and like sell his collections to museums and stuff. So like he was sort of an amateur zoologist more than a professional one but um yeah so he wrote a lot of different nature-ish books um including this one and uh some other arctic uh ones like um never cry wolf is probably uh his most famous one which is like a fictionalized account of his time living in the arctic yeah he's written a whole bunch of other ones he also wrote a biography of diane fossey whose autobiography was gorillas in the mist um, and, uh, he's written lots of other books about, like, his childhood and just sort of Canadian, um, Canadian-ness stuff. So, yeah, so he lived in Saskatchewan in the 30s, according to Wikipedia, is, like, when his family moved there, so he would have been, like, 10-ish. Um, but it's hard to say, like, it, the book was published in the early 60s, so. Yeah, so it, was yeah. The, it could have been 50s it or 30s, yeah. I guess. I f- for some reason, I thought it was post-war, maybe because of something somebody said. But yeah. if it was the 30s, maybe it was post-World War, War but it was just yeah. the other one. Maybe. I don't, um, I don't know. Wikipedia says that Owls in the Family is autobiographical. Um, I, But also, he has said, what was the quote? Never let the facts get in the way of the truth. So, like, he wasn't out there writing, like, completely factual accounts of events that happened in his life. He wrote mm-hmm. about stories that were inspired by events in his life. So yes, he lived in Saskatchewan. He definitely would have like been out, you know, climbing trees and looking for birds and stuff. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whether or not he had pet owls, who knows? Um, doesn't really matter to the point of the story. Like the story teaches you a lot about owls. It gets you like excited about um, 
exploring the world around you and is really cute. So it doesn't matter if they're true or not. Um, yeah, it gets you yeah. really like owls are super cool and they can do all these things. And some of the, it's something that the, um, an owl probably wouldn't do unless it was a weird situation with mm-hmm. a special bird that was probably like these ones were found when they were very young. So probably like a hand raised bird yeah. that is very used to man, uh, used to humans and stuff. Their behaviors may end up being something like this. So it's a situation that could potentially somewhat happened yeah and so maybe it's some maybe it did maybe he had pet owls that he raised from chicks yeah that were very used to humans mm. and that they like maybe it was you know like multiple maybe owls in the yeah. kitchen or something yeah you know like there could have been some of that stuff that was mm-hmm. true or whatever like yeah exactly um and i really liked the first bird they name Wall after the owl in Winnie the Pooh, which I loved. And then the mm-hmm. the, the yeah. second owl that was much more like um uh sort of nervous and skittish and less uh less friendly maybe than Wall was Weeps, because that one made lots of crazy sounds like weeping, I think. Yeah. Um it was super cute. Yeah, so Wall was a great horned owl and then Weeps is a brown owl. So we talked about snowy owls in our um, Harry Potter episode. Do you want to tell us a little bit about great horned owls, Sarah? Sure. So great horned owls um, are native to the Americas, and it's apparently the most widely distributed true owl in the Americas. So they are pretty big. They will fly and hunt um, rabbits, mice, rats, voles. Um, they can also eat larger um vertebrates as well so they have these like feathers that um look like horns like they sort of stick up and they're really cute really really Mm -hmm. cute um they are the heaviest owl in central and south america and the second heaviest owl in north america the wingspan is 91 to 153 centimeters which is crazy like three to five feet that's real big yeah um the mean body weight is about 1.6 kilo kilograms for females and 1.2 for males. Um, and their maximum weight, which would probably be a female, is two and a half kilos. Crazy. Um, yeah, they're really big. I remember seeing them in our backyard as a kid. And I can't remember if it was I was pretty little and we had cats or we had dogs either way. They are definitely look like they are big enough to take down a cat or small dog in your backyard. Um, they also, like lots of owls, can't move their eyes. So they, to get um, better vision, they can rotate their neck 270 degrees, which is crazy. That's so crazy. Crazy. Um, oh, owls. They make a pretty low-pitched hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo sound. Uh, four or five syllables. Um, basically, they're calling for mating or territorially. Um, they're early maters, so they are, especially um, in places that are really wintry, they are able to like start nesting and laying eggs pretty early in the season, which sort of tracks with um, in this story, because it's like the very beginning of spring, like still mm-hmm. things are still frozen and stuff when the boys are out in the trees. So that kind of makes sense. Um, there's a whole bunch of different subspecies, but um it's sort of just like range, um, maybe 20 different subspecies, but some are 
like not actually subspecies. It's very complicated. So there's 10 to 20 subspecies, um, depending on who you ask, like is the case with most things with lots of subspecies, the numbers vary. Um, so they're pretty typical birds of prey. Um, they hunt when they're hungry, they hunt at night, and um, they like to nest in pine or con- uh, coniferous trees, which also makes sense if they're early nesters, because those trees actually have foliage on them at that time of year. So they tend to use tree nests that are made by other animals. They'll just take over the nest of another large bird. They might add some more feathers, but they're not like big nesters. They'll just sort of find something that maybe it was abandoned the year before. Um, in the Southwest, they'll even use nests in cactuses that were built by Harris's hawks and red-tailed hawks, which is kind of cool. Oh, they'll so also cool. use like natural hollows in trees um, if those are available. Yeah, which makes sense. What do you think about Winnie the Pooh owl? <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Um, the average clutch is about two eggs, but they um, can do one to six um, is sort of like the known range of clutch or number of eggs that they will lay at a time. Um, when baby red t- uh, when baby great horned owls hatch, they are about 35 grams and they can gain basically that weight every day for the first four weeks of their life which is crazy. So by their first month, they can be up to a kilo. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Insane. Um, when they're first hatched, they're covered in like a whitish gray down, and then they have some a little bit of brown, and then the juvenile um, plumage comes in sort of like a cinnamony color. Uh, just depends on the, the subspecies and genetics and all that kind of stuff. So the young birds will stay in the area around the nest um, until the fall, and then... Um, will start sort of heading off just before the parents will start to reproduce for the next clutch again, um, which is like a pretty long time for animals that grow so quickly uh, to stick around. But apparently the um, the oldest owl that um, has been recorded in North America, uh, oldest great horned owl in North America uh, is about 29 years old, but the sort of average lifespan is about 13, which is a pretty long time for a bird. Um, so great horned owls are in the like least concern in the IUCN, the um, like conservation status uh, measurement, but they um, do rely on a lot of prey that are listed as um, like further down the list in terms of being endangered or critically endangered or threatened. Um, and um, but things for that in that regard seem to be getting better since the banning of uh, DDT because lots of they were like indirectly affected by um, pesticides like DDT. So they would eat things that were eating things that, you know, had were affected by DDT. So sort of that indirect trickle down, but because they eat such a wide variety of food and they're not at all specialized predators, they'll eat kind of whatever, um, whatever they want. They weren't super hardly hit, super heavily hit by um, DDT, like some other um, birds of prey were, but uh, definitely, um, doing even better now that uh, DDT has been banned and lots of other populations are bouncing back from that. Um, As we all Indeed. And they are the provincial bird of Alberta. A huge part of the sort of plot of the book is with um, some crows in in the story. So, Lindsay, do you want to talk a bit about um, crows and owls? Yeah, so this is a thing. I don't know if it's just because I grew up in the suburbs of... uh, 
coastal province where there's I don't see a lot of owls. So obviously, I see a lot of crows because you know whatever. Um, but this was a thing that I would really didn't know if it was true or not until I uh, I've never heard of it until I read this book and now and then I had to look it up to see if it was true. But it seems to be a fairly long-standing thing. Um, they don't like each other and. Um, they've been genetically imprinted with intense strong dislike for the other family-like family of um, taxa. Um, without ever having seen an owl, a newly fledged crow will instantly, aggressively, and instinctively know it does not like it, which is pretty crazy. So obviously, as anyone would know that lives in North America, crows are abundant <laughs> and they're very successful, and they live in the city or the country, and they eat almost everything. Like. You know, everybody knows about that. Crows are everywhere. Owls are nocturnal predators um, that eat uh, small rodents usually, all that kind of stuff. Um, Owls will eat crows, but they generally don't. Most of the time they don't actually encounter each other. Owls are nocturnal, as we said, and crows are diurnal, which means they're more active in the twilight times, um, dawn and dusk. Uh, as I know, because they like to make noise outside my window uh, all summer and wake me up. Um, But sometimes they will cross paths. I can't find anything here, at least in this article, about potential reasonings as to why. Like, they're not... They don't uh, compete for the same prey. They don't compete for the same habitat. Like, it's, it's weird, but it seems to be a thing. Yeah. Um, crows will harass, peck, annoy, mob an owl even to death if they discover one in, a day- in the daylight. And seems to be the way that it is. Maybe owls don't eat crows not because they don't want to, but because the crows are mean to them, but the owls do want to eat them. So that's why there's that conflict of like... Maybe? Yeah. They would like, it just seems like... go after roosting owl or roosting crows at nighttime and then... Um, so that's why the crows are so like fearsome of them, and then so it's like that predator prey, like um, it's like an arms race between the owls and the crows, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. the the yeah. crows have like evolved an instinctual um, hatred of owls, and the owls, you know, are still going after them in their roosts at night when they're sort of defenseless, and so that's yeah, like they're just sort of trying to one up each other every sort of round yeah, of evolution. I mean- yeah, maybe. Like, I just, like, I can't seem to find any, like, scholarly articles about it. It's just people writing blogs about yeah. their experience. <laughs> um, I feel like it's, crows are probably the same-ish towards, like, any birds of prey. Like, I've seen crows, like, lose it when an eagle comes through, which is, like, more common yeah, that's very true. around us. So it's yeah, kind of that same thing. Here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crows just want to win. Yes. Yeah. Crows want to win, yeah. and they don't want any competition and they are like pretty um like they'll fight they're mobby mobby. yeah like they'll bicker amongst each other and they whatever but they'll yeah it's like siblings right like only i can pick on my other siblings Mm -hmm. (laughs) don't you yeah and yeah and then there's one eagle with like a big fish yeah and like or whatever 40 crows and then the crows are like yeah the crows are like no we're gonna have yeah oh Unrelated, but do you remember that time we saw the eagle in Stanley Park with a squirrel, and then the crows were following it? Yeah. Yeah, I do. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. crazy. And it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, and I see that all the time, and now I'm just thinking about crows versus seagulls versus Canada geese. Yeah. 
all who live down here and compete for everything, and also all well, I've never seen a Canada goose attack an eagle. That would yeah. be I don't think that would insane. happen. I don't think it would happen either. Canada goose know better than yeah. that. They can't fly as fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they're not. Um, but I've seen good flyers, seagulls and crows. Yeah, I've seen seagulls and crows attack eagles. Mm-hmm. So yeah, crazy. They're all just they're all just mobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Anyway. So yeah, I would definitely recommend this book to kids or to adults who haven't read mm-hmm. it before. I don't know. I hope they're still reading it in school, because um, it's like it is dated, but not in the way that like most books are dated. Because it's like just such a yeah. slice of life. Like there's not a lot of like like there's no there's not a lot of like diversity in the book. But like it doesn't matter because no, it's there's about not a lot of it's about like. Yeah, there's not a lot of anything. Yeah, it's about, like, three ten-year-old boys and some owls. Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's about. There is Eaton's, and that's pretty awesome. Yes, that is pretty awesome. Um, Yeah, but, I don't know, it made me, like, curious to reread some more of his books. I can't remember. I definitely read the um, Never Cry Wolf at some point, and... He wrote some book, like the boat who wouldn't float was also about his time living in Newfoundland, apparently. Um, And I don't really have any interest in reading his book about Diane Fossey, just because her book is so good about herself. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. But it might be interesting to compare. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But and then he's got lots of like um, books about like war and that kind of stuff as well, because he fought in World War Two. So, yeah, it would be interesting to read some more of them, but um, this one's definitely my favorite one from that I remember yeah, the strongest. It's pretty yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty fun. All right. Well, I think that probably wraps us up for this episode of Nature Finds a Way. If you'd like to check us out on social media, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Nature Finds a Pod or on our website, naturefindsapod.com. Uh, if you like our podcast and like what we're doing, we'd love if you wanted to subscribe or leave us a rating or a review on your favorite podcasting app. Would it be great? And we will be back in a couple weeks with a very awesome movie. Yeah, I'm super excited about this one watched it twice and don't worry don't regret it at all it's very exciting all right we'll see you next time bye okay bye